welcome, one and all, to the first ever edition of Nuts with a Z about sports. I'm Raymond, and I'm here alongside Darnell and Dan. How are you guys doing today? Pretty good? Doing great, man. What is going on? Yes, sir. Now, like we be talked before uh, the meeting, right? But uh, anyway, uh, I just want to kind of just jump right on in. Uh, we had two absolutely fire games this past weekend as if we needed another reminder that the NFL is still king. And just let me ramble here for a couple of minutes, and then I'll uh, just pass it off to you, Darnell, and then Dan, uh, you can take it up right after him. But I, I would say about halfway through the first quarter, Patrick Mahomes was just not fair. I mean, he was making absolutely great throws, especially with a couple of different touchdown passes, one to Tyree Kill and one to Travis Kelsey. And there was just something about, like, Cincinnati just couldn't get this guy in the ground. They were playing way too conservative off the line with their cornerback, and they just had free releases at the line. And then a funny thing happened when they were up 21-10, to 10, and everybody thought that Kansas City was just going to roll away with this one after, you know, getting the ball at, like, what, the four-yard line uh, with about, you know, 13 seconds to go. And all of a sudden, they throw Patrick Mahomes makes a stupid throw, throws it in the flat to Tyreek Hill with no timeouts left. He still thought he had a timeout on the board. And next thing you know, Cincinnati gets the stop they needed. And within literally just a you know few short minutes, Cincinnati is now going to the Super Bowl, and Kansas City is going home. So I want to save all the lazy takes, and I want to save all the you know hot takes for other programs. But I guess the biggest takeaway that I had, fellas, was that Kansas City, I think, might have blown their opportunity to be memorable, like genuinely memorable. I mean, everybody remembers Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and the Patriots because of all the success that they've had over the past like 15 years. And then Tom Brady even leaves and goes to Tampa Bay. And wouldn't you know it, he wins the Super Bowl there, too. And then you even think about Seattle for a minute and how they went to back-to-back Super Bowls, almost winning both of them if it wasn't for a stupid throw at the one yard line uh, that, you know, Matt Patricia somehow got credit for, and that's how it became the Lions head coach. So all that to say, in Kansas City, they almost made it to back-to-back-to-back Super Bowls. And yet, for whatever reason, Kansas City just couldn't get it done. And one thing that kind of is going to make it harder going forward for Kansas City is Patrick Mahomes' contract. Uh, this year, his cap hit was $7.5 million which is pretty cheap by you know, NFL standards. Next year, his cap hit jumps to $35 million. The year after that, in 2023, $46 million. How in the world is Kansas City going to keep everybody on the roster? It's not like you know, the players that they have going into uh, next year are exactly getting any younger. So you're talking about having to consistently draft good at the back end of the first round, at the back end of the second round, and unless you're the Rams and you're just going to trade in all your first round picks to try to get, you know, glorified superstars. I, I don't know how much longer Kansas city, maybe give it another year or two, but there's something, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is like Aaron Rodgers. Wouldn't you agree guys? Like he's a guy that you just expect is always going to kind of get back to this spot at least, you know, over the next couple of years, but unless they can continue to build the team around him, this could be it for Kansas City. And that's almost borderline hot takey. But I, I, I would venture to say that this could be you know, the turning point where you kind of look back on it and say, you know what, 
man, Kansas City could have had great success, and instead they had to settle for just one Super Bowl. Darnell, what's your perspective? I think you're spot on. Um, you know, had they won that game, they could then um, start to build that legacy of uh, maybe starting a dynasty. You know, you go into the Super Bowl, win on two out of the last three. Um, but losing to uh, a Cincinnati team, which is a young up-and-coming team, to me is a little bit underwhelming. And I think it hurts Patrick Mahomes' legacy, to be 100% honest with you. Um, this team is getting older. Uh, Tyreek Hill, uh, Kelsey are not, you know, young guns anymore. And so uh, you bring up a good point with the, the salary cap hit. I know I read that they can convert that over into a bonus, but this team has a lot of holes, right? Um, Tyrone Matthew is getting older. Um, their, their, their star pass rusher is in his 30s. And so um, I'm really worried about what's going to be the outlook of the Kansas City Chiefs. Like you said, they had a window. It's just like um, Seattle's window was, right, or the Patriots before them. And you have to win in those windows as quickly as possible um, because if not, it becomes a waste. So kind of to add to all of that, um, I think this is where what the Patriots did and where fan perception comes in is unrealistic because what the Patriots did over the period of time they did it in with Tom Brady is so unobtainable and just so unlikely by NFL standards. When you look at how the league is designed to show parity that teams want to do what they did, I don't think they're ever going to. Maybe, maybe in the future we see it, but it's so unlikely. So when you're talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and maybe, oh, they had a shot at a dynasty or creating a stronger legacy, absolutely, 100%. I still think that window is there, though. And I, I think with that being said, even if they fall off a cliff tomorrow, there are still so many franchises that would have taken the success that Kansas City has over the last three years and traded everything for that. Like, let's not diminish the fact of what they've done with Andy Reid, with Patty Mahomes up until this point. And to kind of, you know, touch up on what you said, Raymond, as far as salary cap hits and everything else, I mean, that is just the ultimate recipe in the NFL going forward now, right, is hitting on a rookie contract, having that team strength established on both ends of the ball, and, you know, not having your quarterback being a huge salary cap hit uh, so you can put a lot of talent around them. So going forward, you know, with this team getting older, like Darnell said, let's be very honest. The only way that Kansas City will absolutely find success is doing basically what the Rams did, and it's finding talent through the draft and as much talent as they can get so they can balance out Patty Mahomes' salary cap hit against rookie contracts. And that is just the overall recipe success for the NFL in general. But I, I really think we should really you know, be careful about how we're analyzing Kansas City and 
saying, oh, it's over. I mean, at the end of the day, you you still have Patty Mahomes, and he's still an elite quarterback, and he's still got plenty of years, you know, left under his belt. I, I, I think I just heard today um, he's only one year older than Joe Burrow, so who's also pretty young. So, you know, he's got plenty of time, and I don't see that ability diminishing anytime soon. Yeah, and I guess another thought that came to my mind is the fact that with Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow, the young QBs in this league, I mean, we're going to get into this just a little bit later when we're going through all the different teams and who they have at QB and how comfortable they are. But, I mean, you have Patrick Mahomes, you've got Justin Herbert, you've got guys like Joe Burrow that – I mean, the swag that he came in with. Did you guys see how he was dressed? I don't care how he played. You knew he was going to play well with the outfit that he walked into that stadium with. And then what is it with media reporters that, for whatever reason, they ask the stupidest question? I I, I just don't get it. You got guys that are asking Joe Burrow, are the diamonds on your necklace, are they, like, actually real? And he has to turn around and say, dude, I make way too much money to wear a fake one. (laughs) What is it with media members and not asking proper questions at press conferences? I mean, I just think that comes down to professionalism and and being prepared and good at your job. But what is uh, Darnell? um, Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Any New Year's resolutions? Uh, one of my New Year's resolutions was to be better at my job. Maybe Bill Belichick has some uh, New Year's resolutions he'd like to share with everybody. You can just always text me. I'm pretty sure there's another Darnell in his phone. Oh, for sure. Yeah, but touching upon Joe Burrow, right, and you know, being two Lions fans in here, and I'm not trying to take away from what Stafford is currently doing. And, and I'm certainly happy for him. But isn't Burrow really showing you what an elite QB is? Because he really got thrown into a very similar situation that Matt Stafford got thrown into with the Lions. Especially when you talk about the O-line and getting sacked just over and over and over and over again. And it was used as such a huge excuse for the Lions and Matt Stafford for so many years and why he couldn't be successful. But, you know, Joe Burrow, man, that guy is just built different. It, it doesn't matter. You hit him, you sack him nine times, he's still going to beat you at the end of the day. You know, and, and, and that is really the biggest difference. You know, it's I, – I like Matt Stafford. I do. I think a lot of organizations could be very successful with him. But Joe Burrow, this early on, there, there is just something different about that guy. I, I would agree with you, um, Daniel. The one pushback I'll give you on the Stafford thing, I, I tell people all the time, the the one team that I believe of the, of the three playoff teams that he had that you could make a, a, a real borderline argument that he could have took that team further than where it was was the Dallas game. The, the year that they went with Caldwell with Dallas, he had, a, he had a legit defense. He didn't really have a run game, but he had Megatron. He had... Um, uh, I think Burleson's on that team, and if Burleson's not on the team, I know he has Golden Tate, so he had weapons. Um, but what Joe Burrow has in Cincinnati, 
Um, I'm not telling you that he has the the Avengers that some of these other teams have, but he has a good young core. Um, Joe Mixon's a good young running back. Jamar Chase, he, um, Higgins. And if you go back and look at the Lions draft history, they've missed on a lot of key people when they've had those same type of draft picks that Cincinnati had. So I, I think, though, with Cincinnati, I think you can draw a ton of parallels between the two teams. Like, even with Mixon, like, people... I like Mixon a lot, so let me preface it by saying that. But Mixon had a fantastic season, uh, especially when he was healthy. He's really disappeared and not done much in the postseason. You know, I mean, Jamar Chase, great, great player. They got weapons, you know, they got Higgins also. But, you know, comparing Jamar Chase and Megatron, like, let's be honest, who's better? And that's my thing. It's, It's the fact that I think this is where people who are on either end of the Stafford spectrum, right? Where if you're, if you love Stafford, it was always the thing that everybody else hated about that crowd was that there was never uh, an excuse that couldn't be used for Stafford to justify the fact that he didn't win. And, and those same excuses could have existed for Joe Burrow, even this early on. And he didn't allow them to be used. He literally just put the team on his back and won the game. And and I really don't think, you know, this Cincinnati team is a is an amazing team. I mean, they've been bet against every game in the entire postseason, and no one gave them any shot. You know, and now they're saying the team is really good in retrospect because they beat the Titans and because they beat KC. But let's be honest, like no one gave this team a shot. And it's really has been Burrow that's made that difference. Yeah. Um I, I think a lot, I think a lot of people give, and the reason why you see a lot of the media give a lot of uh slack or a lot of leeway to Stafford is because he does lead the league in comebacks. Um the, the guy was was definitely always uh having to bring a team back and and i think he did that for a good portion of his career and i'm happy as a rams fan that uh we got him um but i I, you know i told you guys privately off the air that i really like brad holmes for you guys i think that brad holmes is the future and if they give him the necessary time um the detroit line this 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 uh NFC North is up for grabs. I don't care if Harbaugh goes to Minnesota or not. The NFC North is up for grabs. And I think that this is this is the Lions' time to put that flag like Green Bay did about 15 years ago with Rodgers. It's like, you want to win this division, you got to come through Detroit. So, um also, since we're talking about the games this weekend, you know, I'm the resident Rams fan. So I will bring up um, a little bit of recap of what I thought of the game. Uh, very emotional roller coaster uh, for four quarters. We played uh, what I think is one of the most physical uh, dominant teams in the NFL in the San Francisco 49ers. Who a lot of people, when they got into the, the playoffs, they thought, you know, they're a one and done team. But I was one of the people that kept saying, like, hey, they're a bad matchup. And I remember watching uh, Ryan Clark on ESPN. He said, how many times are they going to beat teams before you realize they're not just a bad matchup, they're a good team? And so uh, 
this was a team that Sean McVay was 0-6 against. Um, and we could have beat the team. Uh, we had a 17-point lead going into the uh, second half, last game of the season, to actually eliminate them from the playoffs. They come back and beat us in overtime. And so it was good to just see Stafford and them get the monkey off their back. Um, Jimmy G did Jimmy G things. We know that he's typical uh, – he, he's going to give us an interception at the most inopportune time. And before that interception, to be honest with you, Jimmy G was outplaying Matthew Stafford. I know that's crazy to say, but he was outplaying Matthew Stafford, right? And so, uh, you know, Stafford threw a, a could have been pick. It was dropped. Thank God for that. And we, we rode that momentum on. And so what I want to ask you guys is we just talked about a dynasty or what could have been a dynasty in Kansas City. I know a lot of money is coming back into the salary cap. From what I've heard, the salary cap is going to grow somewhere between 205 to $210 million next year. So for whoever's listening for your re respective team, that may be an increase of like $25 million, right? What I want to know from you guys is how realistic or um, what do you guys think of the chances of us being able to create this dynasty with the Rams? Because Rodgers is trying to position himself out of the NFC. Russell Wilson is trying to leave. And so I think it leaves a great void for a team to come in over the next two to three years and kind of run the NFC. And if we can re-sign OBJ, if we can re-sign Von Miller, I think that we pose that, that dominance. But I would love to get some perspective from you guys and see what you guys think about that. Either Ray or Dane, whoever want to knock it out first, uh, love to hear your opinion. So quite a few things were covered there, right? But let's start with the game first. And um, it was interesting how you're talking about Jimmy G. And, and Jimmy G's, I would say, is probably a pretty polarizing figure. And I think, you know, we're probably assuming his time is done with that 49ers team because top to bottom, that 49ers team is is really, really, really good. And I've always thought that the hole came with the quarterback position, right? And Jimmy G has every ability to play really well. I think I think in a fast tempo offense, when you're, you know, going into the two-minute drill, he's fantastic. But when he's really bad, he's really bad. Um, I thought Stafford actually played a fantastic, not fantastic, but a, a really solid first half in that it was, it was his players letting him down with drops. And um, I would actually not put any blame on Stafford's shoulders. I think the really obvious part of that game and the turning point where everything turned around was the, you know, the Chikiski, uh tart drop, you know, by the Niners player. I mean, he makes that interception and, and that game has just a completely different dynamic going forward where you're thinking now Rams are against it and they're going to have to really start pressing to get points and to get to come back and assuming the Niners don't you know get some points from the interception as well so that 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 moment was huge and hey you know like credit to the Rams sometimes you just have to be lucky you know and and that's all part of sports in general and I I don't think you know people you know i don't think it's fair when people use that as criticisms especially against a quarterback because those things happen all the time both ways um as far as dynasty goes 
I mean, let's be very honest. Like, the Rams have been a very, very competent organization for a long time. And as Lions fans, we know Brad Holmes and helping with that draft board and the Rams just always finding value, even though they've never had a first-round pick for a very, very long time. You know, I do think they have a window here because I do think with the Stafford trade, they've leveraged really, really heavy. So a lot of it is going to be, going forward, how many veterans can they convince to come over cheap? How many big names can they get with, you know, the extra salary cap room they have? And can they continue to hit home runs for the draft? Because it's the only way you're going to have a continued measure of success going forward. But they absolutely have a window of time where they still should be a very, very competitive and competent organization. You mentioned Rodgers, Darnell. Well... You know, if you want my opinion of it, I think I think the 49ers are a very, very likely spot for him to come and land. And I'll tell you right now, that team with Rodgers, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to put them on top of your Rams team if if that move happens, if it happens. I'm so, terrified of that. I so just want to let you know for the record, I'm terrified. <laughs> <of that. laughs> but but I will say, um, as far as the Rams go, and kind of to to the things you're saying, I haven't seen a team this complete in a in some time, and and I don't think the Rams are getting enough credit, or maybe they are, but from my perspective, I I feel like they're not getting enough credit for how legitimate they are, top to bottom. And, and that squad is really, really strong. I, I question a, a Von Miller and, and how many more years he has, but OBJ would be a great re-sign depending on price and depending on if you can convince him to be the number two guy behind Cooper Cup. And let's be very honest, even if you were to lose OBJ, well, this free agent market with wide receivers, you got Shark, you got Devontae, blah, 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 blah. There's, there's wide receivers to be had out there. And let's not forget, you have Robert Woods, too. Even if you missed out on the free agent class, and even if OBJ doesn't resign, it's not like Robert Woods is a bad fill-in to have back healthy. So there, that offense will be just fine regardless of moves being made or not. Oh, and Cam Akers. Can we have a healthy year for Cam Akers? Because that would mean a huge difference as well. Can we just have a round? I'm going to let Ray go, but can we just have a round of applause? That man tore his AC. I mean, his Achilles. I tore Absolute freak. Absolute freak. And that's crazy. That's crazy. Ray, what you got for us? Yeah, I don't really have too much more to add to that because, to be quite honest, and I told you guys this, I didn't really get a chance to catch the game until about midway through the fourth quarter. And by then, everything was still pretty close. It, it really felt like I missed nothing. And then you just – you feel for Jimmy G. I mean, he had a chance to really put all the haters away with that you know last two-minute drive. And the only thought I had after that is, man, what would have happened had they just put Trey Lance in? I'm not saying that Trey Lance was going to do any better, but you clearly saw the mobility was a huge factor. And Aaron Donald and that whole defensive line was just able to eat him up. And – I guess the biggest takeaway I had from the Rams and, you know, the 49ers wasn't so much the result of the game, wasn't so much Matthew Stafford 
and his ability to get to the Super Bowl and put every bit of line fan that, you know, kind of questioned him a little bit in pain. But to be quite honest, I, I actually kind of looked at big picture and you have the Rams and you had the Bengals, two teams that made the Super Bowl. I'm sure we'll probably touch on this a lot more next week, but you have two different teams that were built completely different. And yet you have teams that look all over the league, like, man, how can we make it to the Super Bowl? You know, how are we supposed to build our team? You know, maybe it was like getting a guy like Lamar Jackson, you know, being a one trick pony, but that one trick was really, really good, except he couldn't get over the hump because he can't learn how to pass the football. On the flip side, you've got teams that like Kansas City, like Cincinnati that drafted their QB very, very, very high. And then the Rams decided, hey, we're going to just trade in all of our draft picks because we don't need first round draft picks when we can get, you know, key guys on defense, key guys on offense, including Matthew Stafford, uh, including Von Miller, and guys that can just either get the quarterback or become the franchise quarterback. So, as I said, I didn't have too much of a takeaway from that game because the only thing I could think of is, man, I I just – you almost feel for Jimmy G because he really wants – he's just gotten so much flack over the years. I felt like he's had a chance over and over and over again, but then just when you think that he's going to turn the corner, he shows you his true colors. And unfortunately for him, he's already kind of announced that today that he's going to try to look for a trade elsewhere. But – I, I, at this point, I don't know who would want to take Jimmy G because, wow. I mean, he, he's just – to me, he's a career backup, and he's a really good career backup, but he's never going to be the bona fide starter. Uh, before we move off the topic, I think I'll have some spots for you uh, in our next segment. Um, but uh, to to re rehash a little bit about Daniel, because I thought Daniel brought up some good points. Um, shout out to Robert Woods. Uh you said OBJ be the number two. Uh, he'd be the number three because Robert Woods was running right neck and neck with um, with Cooper Cup. Um, as far as the Von Miller thing, I think Von Miller playing on a defense where he has Leonard Floyd, he has Aaron Darnold that's taking up double teams. I think that helps him because he he gets the single the single coverage. He goes to any other team, they're doubling him because he's one of the best pass rushers on the team, and so that may. It's like in basketball, like LeBron had to go get AD in order to extend his career in his window, right? Because he couldn't really do it by himself. I think when it comes to these older players playing next to younger players who are already space eaters will help extend out that career. And I think uh, we're about to when I well, the reason why I brought up Dynasty is because I believe that the Rams are going to approach free agency like Tampa did last year. Right. Which is, hey, we have a a Super Bowl if they win. We have a Super Bowl winning quarterback. We have a a young, charismatic players coach and Sean McVay. We have the organization, the 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 um, everything you would need to be in a winning culture. Right now. Do you want to come take a little less to go on another Super Bowl run? Because we're going for back to back. The one thing that scares me is exactly what you brought up, Daniel. Aaron Rodgers to San Francisco scares me, okay? But I will tell you this. Denver is going to have some say-so about this. And they have a little bit more they have a little bit more assets, I think, to get them over the hump compared to San Francisco. And so 
it'll really be interesting to see where Aaron Rodgers goes, uh, Russ Wilson. Um, and, and when we get to the quarterbacks, we'll break all that down. But don't scare me like that, Daniel. I, I don't want to see Aaron Rodgers in the NFC West. I hope he goes to uh, the AFC. I mean, I I do think we have to hold our horses here for a second. I completely agree with pretty much everything you said. The big contingency is here, though, is the big if you win. You know, I mean, the Rams are absolutely favored. I have the Rams winning this game. I think the Rams top to bottom are just way better than what Cincy is bringing to the table. But that's been the case every single game since he's been in so far. And let's be honest, Rams went all in this year. You're not getting the veteran deal if you don't win the Super Bowl. And Joe Cool is going to make sure to do everything he can to ruin that for you. And I'll tell you right now, if that happens... You kiss not only the dynasty goodbye, but every kind of leverage you thought you were going to have from this win going forward. All that is out the window. All of it. And as far as, you know, really, really quickly going back to the OBJ thing, you know, it's I agree with you. Robert Woods, fantastic. OBJ could absolutely be the number three. My point really, though, is convincing OBJ to take the position that's not number one. Because over a stretch period of time, that's always been his problem. Him and AB, they're the same guy. They have all the ability in the world. They have, you know, they're really, really good when they're playing hard for their team when they when they buy in but the question is how long will they buy in for how long are they going to allow their ego to stay down and you know in my opinion when it comes to OBJ just like AB it's it's not you know if it's when it's a ticking time bomb and sometimes there's just players as good as they are, it's almost not worth it because of what comes after. All right, and welcome back to Nuts with a Z about sports. I'm here alongside Darnell and Dan, and now it's time for a Nutty Blitz. What do you think, fellas? A Nutty Blitz? All right, here we go. I know that was a really cheesy name, but I had to come up with something. So I have a fun little segment here. This is going to be very, very fast-paced. We're not asking for a whole lot of analysis here. I asked you guys to come up with three different categories, and here are the three different categories that we're going to have to split these teams up into. Either A, they have a franchise QB. They need to, uh, they, the guy that they have needs to prove that he's a franchise QB. Or danger, danger, you need a franchise QB. Does that sound like a plan, fellas? Works for me. All right. Sounds good. So, so it, it was interesting because I kind of went down all three different categories, and we'll take the categories one by one. But it's truly amazing just to kind of see, like, when you break it down, you, you have most of the league in probably one or two categories and maybe a handful of teams in the top category. So let's just start out and I'll kind of run down who I have and you guys can run through who you have and then we can maybe debate, you know, maybe who should be there, who shouldn't be there once we're done with all the different categories. Okay. 
So for the teams that have a franchise QB, in my opinion, Kansas City, the Chargers, uh, the Raiders, um, the Buffalo Bills, I'd put the New England Patriots here with Mac Jones, uh, Cincinnati Bengals with Joe Burrow, Los Angeles Rams, and the Dallas Cowboys. I think Dak Prescott has proven enough that he can be a starter, but Darnell, uh, what teams did you have here? Uh, pretty much the same. I'll give you a little pushback on the Derek Carr thing. Um, it all depends on how he works with Josh McDaniels, but Chargers, um, I'm pretty sure I have pretty much everybody else that you have. Uh, the NFC is the is the quarterback graveyard. So yeah. <laughs> and Dan, what about you? Yeah, I'm I'm more or less in agreement. I I actually agree with you on on Derek Carr though. I, I, I Derek Carr was someone that I never thought much of until this season, and it just seemed like he really stepped into his own in a year filled with turmoil and chaos for him. And it really seemed like, especially into the going into that playoff run, the last few games of the regular season, that he's just, he's putting himself up there and just really ready to be the guy and proving it. Alrighty. And then under needs to prove that he is a franchise QB, these are going to be a mix, in my opinion, of teams that either have a rookie QB, a second-year QB, or teams that have an established QB, but they're nearing the point in their contracts where they're going to have to kind of prove it to whether they can be the franchise guy moving forward. Here I have Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. Here I have Tennessee and Ryan Tannehill. I have uh, Miami. Uh, the Jets. Uh, I have Baltimore. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson's kind of in this spot here. He kind of needs to prove that he can be the guy moving forward, even though they're giving him a nice contract. Uh, I got Cleveland here, although you know Cleveland and Baker Mayfield should be in the top spot, but based on the year he had last year and the injuries, I, I just think that he's going to need to kind of prove once again. I think he'll do that this upcoming year. I've got San Francisco and Tampa Bay. Next year, they're going to probably be starting rookie guys, whether it's Trey Lance or Tampa Bay, moving on from Tom Brady. They're going to start probably Kyle Trask and give him a year to kind of prove himself. Um, I have Philadelphia. I just don't believe that Philadelphia truly has their franchise QB yet, but maybe Jalen Hurts is the guy. Who knows? Uh, The Giants are probably going to give Daniel Jones another year, and then I have Detroit and Chicago. And, of course, Goff is going to have this year to prove that he can be the Lions started moving forward and Justin Fields is going to probably have at least another couple years. So is there any teams I missed? Any teams I should have added? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I would probably take some of those teams and say they need a franchise quarterback, but you know, obviously a lot of ramifications come into play with cap hits and everything else. Um, right. I, I don't know if you said the Texans, but... I, I, I held off on them for a reason. I don't think Davis Mills is getting enough credit for probably being the best rookie QB out of the bunch with argument towards Mac Jones. Um, but I think you can go back and forth on the argument there, especially considering how wretched of a squad that Texans team is. Um, Tennessee... I'm sorry, but I just I think I think 
even though Tannehill is going to have to be the guy because of cap hit, I, I think they need a franchise quarterback. I'm just not sure they can go about getting one because he, from what I read, would cost the team $110 million, uh going forward if they wanted to cut him. So that just that's obviously you know not something viable but i i don't think he's the guy and that's a team that has a very very small window to get it done with an amazing defense amazing run game good weapons on offense and it just it really does fall on Tannehill. yeah the Tannehill thing is what really it's uh it's 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 really close so if you cut them pre-June 1, you know, you got an $18 million dead cap. Um, I think they'd have to get somebody. They'd have to try to find a, a trade partner like the Rams did with Goff and Stafford uh, to make it work. Uh, everybody else, they seem to fit. Um, you said Arizona, right, with Kyler Murray? You know what? I left them out of this list completely. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Kyler Murray might be at the top because I I mean they're married to him now. I mean, yeah, you're true. Yeah, he should have been at the top. That that's my bad. I knew I was forgetting somebody. Um, but everybody else, uh, Tannehill, like you said, I'm not that sold on. Um, let me ask you this real quick, Darnell. Do you think Tennessee is where Jimmy G ultimately lands if Aaron Rodgers somehow doesn't go there? No, I think Jimmy G. Look look at maybe Tampa. Yeah, so Tampa is actually the he's the highest odds on favorite for starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Bucks next year. So yeah. he's the odds on favorite at I believe uh four fifty or three fifty plus three fifty and Kyle Trask was like six to one. So they actually have an opinion that Jimmy G might be going over there. Um, I I don't see a world at all where Tennessee can can move on from Tannehill and sign someone else simply because of the dead cap hit. I mean, they just gave him that big contract. What was it? A year or two ago. And literally, I, I was literally just looking at his contract where the dead cap hit to to get rid of him. It's it. it, it it's not possible. So the only way they they get rid of him or move on from him, it and having another quarterback take his place, like an Aaron Rodgers, was would be that Aaron Rodgers came and played pretty much for free. <laughs> I mean that's that's about it. And I don't I don't think that's feasible. So Tennessee, unfortunately, because I really like that team and and the direction and and the window of opportunity they have. It is ultimately always going to come down to Tannehill for the next couple of years at, at a minimum. And, and remember this, Tannehill doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes. He just has to manage the game well. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to do that in the playoffs. I want to jump to the last category real quick here. Danger, danger needs a franchise QB. And here I put a few teams that normally you would be like, wait, why would you put the teams here? But because of their quarterback situation moving forward, they're probably going to be in this spot. So I put Denver, I put Houston, I put Indianapolis, I put Pittsburgh, Seattle, because they might lose Russell Wilson this offseason, uh, New Orleans, 
that really depends on if they can get Russell or not. Uh, Carolina, Atlanta, Washington, Green Bay, because you know that Aaron, there is just no way. That, I, I refuse to believe Aaron Rodgers stays in this division. Um, and then uh, Minnesota. I just don't think Kirk Cousins is a guy that you can build around, move forward. I'm sure they're probably going to kick the tires with him. It, it, it's probably going to get him at least a division win if Aaron Rodgers leaves. Because whatever, I don't think the I think the Lions might be a year away, even if it's completely wide open. But Minnesota, realistically, if they were true to themselves, they would be looking right now, saying, "Man, who can we get as the next guy?" Because you look at all the quarterbacks that were in the playoffs moving forward into the championship game and you compare each and every single one of these teams and the QBs that they have or might have moving forward with them it's not even close and that's why I put Houston here because are you really going to run Davis Mills out there against I mean, a guy I like think, Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow I think if I think if you are not getting Deshaun like let's okay let's just run under the assumption that you're not having Deshaun Watson play on your team next season correct I right. think with what Davis Mills showed through the last stretch of the season, I think you absolutely, you know, continue to see what he's got to offer. And and what do you have to lose? The, the team's in rebuild mode regardless, you know. Worst case scenario, he's on a rookie contract. He doesn't hit. You take a very, you know, Arizona-like situation where you drafted a rookie, you know, a, 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 what you hoped was a franchise QB, moved on from him in Josh Rosen immediately and went to Kyler Murray. There, There is honestly no risk for you to go forward with Davis Mills while still having the option like, hey, if we identify a quarterback in the draft we like, we can still take him and no harm done. But Davis Mills absolutely showed you know, that he deserves to be looked at, at least from the start of the season. Um, As far as Minnesota goes, I mean, Kirk Cousins still has one year left on that contract. Now, I know people are talking about, you know, him being cut or whatever, but you're you're talking about a $45 million cap hit if you do that. I, I don't think you can do that, right? I mean, I don't think... The salary cap is increasing enough where you can just say, we're going to take a $45 million dead cap hit. And that, that, <laughs> was kind of the, that was kind of the thing with his contract signing, right? Was that he had all that guaranteed money coming to him when they made that contract with him, which was, which was kind of nuts on how much, you know, money he guaranteed money he dictated it was like kind of the first time we we saw a contract like that in, in a while right um so yeah i'll i'll be curious to see what happens with the minnesota situation and and let's be honest you know if if the harbaugh rumors are are done and official and true you know don't don't put it past harbaugh to kind of reinvigorate this guy's career and, and i don't think cousins is a bad quarterback by any means you know i think he had very solid games this year and very bad games this year, which is more or less a story for most any other starting quarterback who's not elite. And just to put a little funny note there before Darnell, you give uh, your analysis. What a funny thing it would be if Kirk Cousins somehow takes the next step because all it took was a University of Michigan head coach to revive a Sparty. Barney couldn't get it without the University of Michigan coming in and saving the day, being big brother. Go ahead, Darnell. Uh, I'll go really quick. So 
I think I'm I'm under the same premise as as Daniel here. I, look, to me, David Mills is probably better than Daniel Jones. I mean, I, I don't really trust the Daniel Jones, or as he was once called, Danny Dimes. I don't yeah. trust, uh, trust in him at all. And so, um, looking at what you have, um, there's just going to be a lot of movement. Jimmy G, maybe to Tampa, maybe to Pittsburgh. Jameis Winston coming back, maybe to Pittsburgh. You know, where's Ooh. Russell Wilson going to go? Where's Deshaun Watson? Is Deshaun Watson going to clear all of his? Um, how do I want to say this? Is he going to clear all his legal affairs um, yes. and get a job next year? And so there's going to be a lot of movement. The one thing that I can tell you about this whole list, if you go through your list, all of the established quarterbacks are in the AFC right now. The young guns. Yeah, absolutely right. And so this quarterback class this year was not is not great. Next year is supposed to be the class where the quarterbacks come out. And so... Um, it'll just be interested, interesting to see how everybody goes. That's why I thought, once again, Detroit was in a great situation because they got a stopgap quarterback. If you don't believe in golf, that's cool. He can he can lead this franchise to wins as long as he has weapons around him for the next two years while you go draft a quarterback either this year or next year to take over and be that passing of the guard. So um i don't have any problem with the list um i think that you know the nfl is all about parity and and if joe burrow can come in in year two and take a king to to the super bowl maybe these teams that are are quarterback needy you never know they they may be one quarterback away from getting to the big game finding the joe burrow is where it becomes tough though right yeah yeah and and it's hard i know it's gonna be hard for you guys to uh to root for any type of Ohio team. So we welcome you guys to root for the Rams in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go that far, but I'll certainly, you know, uh, root for a, a good game. Um, I, I don't get on the Ohio train like m- most other people in this state do. Um, I I don't really have any problem with the Ohio teams. I, I think since he is a very, very, very likable team because it is a recipe that Lions as an organization will have to replicate hopefully sooner rather than later like showing that it can actually be done with a organization and franchise that has been in the dumps for a very very long time um i also you know one thing um as far as the quarterback lists go i don't really think we talk much about jalen hurts but what is your guys' opinion when, in regards to him? Because Hertz is the guy I would actually put him in that. I don't think he's the franchise guy, but I also don't think you can move away from him. I, I think that team is committed to him for at least another year. But Jalen right. Hertz to me is someone that if I'm playing fantasy, I love him. When I actually <laughs> watch him play, I do not. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right on that. And I think just to kind of wrap it all up in a bell, man, if, you, if you're if you a team that is in the prove-it stage, like I, I look at Jalen Hurts and I look at Danny Dimes, they're both in the same boat. They have the opportunity of a lifetime this next season, especially with 
Danny Dimes now getting a new head coach that might not run a QB draw from inside the five yard line. <laughs> it's a great um, play. Very, very, very it's a great, great play. play. <laughs> Dallas ran that same play in the playoffs, don't you? Say? A little bit. Yeah. So I, I guess it, this is a fun list. Um, it'll be kind of interesting to kind of look back in a year and see what teams made the right decisions, what teams didn't make the right decisions, and. And there's some teams right now that are facing absolute cat, cat travesty where they would love to move on from the guy, but they can't because he's just signed for way too much money. Um, so that wraps up this segment of uh, what? N- the Nutty Blitz, if I remember correctly. Yep, the Nutty Blitz. All right, and welcome back to Quick Takes. In the bowl of nuts. Quick takes in the bowl of nuts. And the one thing I wanted to touch on very last, because we're about to get out of here. We all have lives. We all want to do other things tonight. But we saw two different games over two different weeks where you had the divisional round, you had the championship weekend. And interestingly enough, both of them involved the Kansas City Chiefs. I want to touch on the overtime rules. Should they change or should they stay the same? I know that there was a bunch of people, especially when Kansas City lost, like you had, uh, who was it on uh, Twitter, uh, you had uh, one of the ESPN analysts that came out and was like, oh, CC, you know, look at this. I mean, this was the exact reason why you don't have to change the rules. You know, playing defense is still great. And I simply responded to him saying that, you know, guys, we as America, we love entertainment. We, we love to root for guys to actually get the same opportunity. I mean, in baseball, you've got this, each team's got an opportunity. In NHL, you've got a period that you get to play. In the NBA, you got a period that you get to play to you know, kind of determine who's going to become the champion of the game, at least. And I, I look at this, I'm like, man, I want them to change just simply because that Buffalo game is just so great. And you know what? The defense can still get a stop, and they can still get rewarded. You can have you can have your cake, and you can eat it too. It's the one exception to the time that you'd ever be able to say that phrase. You can have your cake, and you can eat it too. Change the rules. What do you think, Darnell? I like the rule the way it is. I think this weekend was perfect. We had a week full of people complaining about changing the rule. Kansas City won the toss. They turned the ball over, and then – defense I mean the offense went down and and did what they were supposed to do I understand we live in the moment we all was excited about that that great game that Buffalo and Kansas City had but um I think that we have to we have to play some value in playing defense and the defense gave up uh, a touchdown had they given up a field goal uh New York I mean the Buffalo Bills would have gotten uh the ball back they didn't they gave up a touchdown and so um I don't want to change the rule. If we do have to make any changes, maybe you change it in the regular season, but for the playoffs, we could be there all night. What, you know what I'm saying? Like, what if everybody just continues yep. to score back and forth? We'd be there all night. And so, and, and still somebody would have a problem with that. And so, <laughs> um, you know. Get off I, my lawn. <laughs> yeah, I, I just think that, you know, I don't want it to be like college. I don't know if you guys have seen the new way they do it in college football, but. I do not like the way that the overtime works in there. So that's my two cents. What about you, Dan? I'm more in agreement with you. Um, You know, people look at the 
KC Bengals game as a reason why you don't have to change them when in actuality it just worked out because the interception happened and both teams got a chance you know but that was the underlying theme of all of this is everybody wants to see both teams get a chance and i this is where i think fan perspective gets it really wrong playing a defensive game for all 60 minutes it's extremely difficult now when you're going up against a high profile offense and both teams score as many times as they did against that Buffalo in that Buffalo KC game, your defense is dead in overtime. It just is. But here's the one thing I will say. Some of the best playoff games I've ever seen was that Buffalo KC game. It was also the Pats KC game where the same thing was happening. And everybody agreed that they wanted to see more, you know, and obviously the rules need to be shaped where the games don't go on forever because the defense can't make any stops. So I think that's where the discussion comes into play. We don't have to get into that, but what what we do need to say is football is not a sport, in my opinion, where when both teams make it to that proverbial finish line at end of regulation that you do put so much impetus on something as trivial as a coin. Because when you look at the stats of coin flips and overtime games in the postseason, it favors the team that wins the coin toss, and that should just not be the case. People are saying your defense should win it. Yeah, you can make that argument, but you know your offense should get a chance too. And a coin flip shouldn't have more say than your defense, bottom line. And the, I guess the last point I wanted to kind of make here is, especially with Kansas City, winning both of the coin tosses. And, in fact, Josh Allen was watching the game, tweeted out one word. The word was pain the minute that Kansas City won the second coin toss in a row in overtime. Guys, what deal did, with the devil did they make? I mean, they had the opportunity to win two games simply by a coin flip. What deal with the devil did they make? <laughs> probably the, <laughs> probably <laughs> the same one that Dabo made for Clemson to keep his staff intact for all these years. Very true. But, you know, guys, it, it's been fun. Uh, this, we're just getting started with uh, the podcast here. And, you know, we're, I'm not going to sit there and beg for likes and subscribes because if people actually like our product, uh, there will be uh, professionals about it. And they know exactly what to do. I think it's 2022. I think everybody knows how to press that like and subscribe button. So with that being said, thank you so much for tuning on in to Nuts with a Z about sports. And have yourself a great rest of your day.